Really good show for you today. We talk about the border again um, and some of the things that are going on. Also, Toby Keith died, um, and so did Bob Beckwith. You you know who Bob Beckwith is, if you remember 9-11, but you don't recognize the name. We'll point that out. Also, we had J.D. Vance on talking about the Senate and the different things going on and the incredible administrative state that is building a cage around us. What the Democrats accuse the right of doing, they themselves are doing, and we show it to you on today's podcast. Brought to you by Preborn. One of these days, maybe in our lifetime, it's going to be possible to see the abolition of abortion. History books of the future will write about the generational trauma, the breakdown of families, the destruction of basic morality, and how one day it came to an end. But we are still there. And in fact, uh, the abortions have gone up because they're being made easier. Uh, On this podcast today, you'll hear uh, there have been uh, two or three studies that show that the abortion pill is really damaging. And uh, gosh, they've just been recalled. I mean, they've been published. They've been uh, examined, but somebody wrote in and said, those aren't true. And so they've pulled them. Surprise, surprise, just a couple of weeks before a court case uh, debating all of that. Anyway, the, the Ministry of Preborn stands every day for the helpless among us. And that's not just the babies. That's also sometimes the moms. They don't feel like they have anybody standing by them. They don't have any money to uh, get through. And they don't have any faith that they'll make it. Well, that's where the Ministry of Preborn stands in. First, they give mom an ultrasound so she sees the baby's face and the body and hears the heartbeat. That doubles the chance that the baby is going to be saved. Then, if she doesn't have anybody, they'll tell they'll tell her and they'll back it up that for the next two years you're not going to worry about it. We're gonna we're gonna get you all the pre uh, the postnatal checkups. We're gonna help you with baby clothes and even books and toys and everything. So you are safe, and the baby is safe. Preborn. Preborn. It is so worth your time and will bring uh, the, um, I think, bring the grace of God upon us. We need to be people of merit and be seen doing um, things of merit in the eyes of God. And this is one of the best things we can do. For 28 bucks, you can get an ultrasound, but you can give more if you want. Pound 250, say the keyword baby. It's pound 250, keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Glenn. That's preborn.com slash Glenn. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. It was a Tuesday morning. Stu was at his house. I was at my house. We were both working at WFLA in Tampa, Florida. It was the first year I had done talk radio. I had just signed a, a deal to replace Dr. Laura on the Premier Radio Networks. And it was supposed to start in January. And we were really doing a comedy show. We were making fun of everything. And I was pretty much a boob. At the time, didn't I didn't know where I stood on many things because I was just doing comedy. I was making fun of talk radio. I was making fun of people like me, honestly. And then my wife called me from work and she said, turn on the TV. A plane has just hit the World Trade Center. 
I said, what? He said, yeah, turn on. And Katie Couric was on, and uh, it was the Today Show. And they were talking about how it must be a small plane. And I looked at that hole in that plane, and I thought, that's not a small plane. And I'm talking to my wife, and whole waiting goes off, and Stu is on the other end. He said, are you watching this? I said, yeah, I don't think this is a small plane. He said, I don't think so either. And just then, the second plane went in. I said, we got to go. We got to go to work. I told my wife. I said, honey, it's probably going to be a very long day. I got to go. As we were driving in, the World Trade Center collapsed. When I got to the studio, I looked up at the monitors, and I I saw something I never thought was even possible. It just pulverized it, it was it was dust and the people jumping out of the world trade center and america just shocked our innocence who would do something like this we didn't know i had said just two years before that there would be blood body and buildings in the streets of manhattan i was on wabc in new york and i said it would have the name of Osama bin Laden on it. And I had completely forgotten that. And we didn't have any answers. And Premier calls me up and said, we need you to go national. And I went home and I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I said, you have the wrong guy. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for this. I don't have no idea. And on my first national program, I think I said that. I don't have any idea of what is really going on, but if you'll stick with me, we'll find the answers together. It was just a few days uh, after the World Trade Center, and I'm telling this story because there's a lot of people that are uh, under 30 that probably have not heard this story or have been uh, watched it or been taught the truth about what happened on that day. Osama bin Laden had been waiting ever since Reagan pulled his troops out uh, after the Marine bombing of the barracks in Beirut. He saw that as a sign of weakness, and he told his people at the time, oh my gosh, we can make the giant move. And they had waited and plotted, and 9-11 was the day. They were trying to take out our stock market. They were trying to collapse us economically. They knew if we collapsed economically in our banking system, uh, we would be over. We've done a pretty good job at that since. Everything that he wanted to accomplish, we've been accomplishing ourselves. But I talked to Bob Beckworth. He died yesterday. Bob was the firefighter that happened to be on the fire truck when somebody came up, stood next to him. He had no idea it was the president of the United States. Here's what he told me just a few years ago. The picture seared in the nation's memory. President Bush at ground zero three days after the attacks. A bullhorn in one hand, the other draped around firefighter Bob Beckwith. That firefighter with President Bush was Bob Beckwith. Beckwith was 
Queens. Bob Beckwith stood shoulder to shoulder with President Bob Bush. Beckwith, a firefighter from Queens, New York, in his mid-60s. That day, he stood alongside the president and stepped onto the national patriotic stage. Bob, are you there? Yes. Hi, Bob. How are you? Very good. And yourself? I'm very good, sir. Very good. I uh, I just wanted to touch base with you. Um, the, your experiences with 9-11, because I I painted a painting of, of you a couple of weeks ago for an auction. And as I was painting you, I thought, you know, I know this man's story, but not really. First of all, where were you on 9-11 when it happened? When it happened, Gwen, my daughter had called me that my grandson going to school on his bicycle was hit by a car about two blocks away from me. And I ran over there to see what was happening and and I saw him on the ground, but he was moving, so I uh, that was a plus. And I found out from the uh, ambulance driver where, what hospital they were taking him to. And I came home to get my car I, I listened on the radio and it said a, I heard a guy saying that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything. And, and so I came inside and, and my wife had it on the television already and they had cameras there. I was looking and I said, that's a little bit bigger than a small plane. Yeah. I, I figured I got a bad day going. My grandson gets hit by a car and now a, a plane goes in. Where were you living at the time, Bob? I'm living right here in Baldwin, New York. When did the phone call come in that you had to go? Were you with your grandson in the hospital, or what? When did you? Yes, I went to the hospital to uh, be with him. Everybody was watching television at the hospital, and uh, and I I saw the, the South Tower come down. Oh my God. Oh my God. One World Trade Center has collapsed in its entirety. One World Trade Center is gone. And then a, a few minutes later, the, uh, the the North Tower came down. The other tower has just collapsed. Ready to collapse. Ready and I knew that there was guys in the building, you know, because the firemen were in there. You know what goes through your head when the, it just hits you pretty hard. I told my wife and my kids that I'm going down to ground zero. And they said, don't go down yet too well. I was 69 years old. And uh, they thought I was an old man there, and uh, I'm going to get in the way, so uh, just don't go down there. The next day, I find out that um, Jimmy Boyle, now Jimmy Boyle was the, uh, the president of the UFA, the Uniform Firefighters Association, mm -hmm. and I was one of his delegates. And when I found out his son is missing, I said, that's it, I'm out of here. And I, I suited up the next morning, and I got to go down to ground zero. So you're there. You snuck across the bridge on the yeah. island. Then you, you, uh, you sneak across the uh, barrier with the National Guard. Right. And then what happens? And then I came into ground zero, and I tell you, it was a shock. Yeah. You can see the people running for, as the buildings begin to cross. running, racing for their lives. One of the buildings is partially that as yet unidentified survivors will be found in underground... The first thing that came to my mind was this is how it probably looked in the, in the Blitz when... Yeah. Wow. You know what happened? I, I worked down there all that day and I was on the bucket brigade and I found a shovel and I started digging with the guys and we were... And we found a, a, a pumper. A pumper is a fire engine in the rubble. And we told the crane operator to put the 
put the rig out on the, in the street, which he did. Some guy comes over and he says, the, the president is here. And I saw the guys put their shovel down and I put mine down and I walked out to the street. And there's that pumper we just dug out of the rubble. I jumped up on it and right across the street was a command post, a tent with all microphones in front of it. I figured, oh, that's where the president's gonna talk. This Secret Service man came over to me and he said, is this safe? I said, yeah. And he said, well, jump up and down on it for me. So I jumped up and down on it for him. And he said, okay. He said, somebody important's coming over here. And when they come over here, you help them up and then you get down. I said, okay. Because you do what the Secret Service guy tells you to do. Mm. The president comes around and he does a hard right and he comes right in front of me and he puts his arm up. So I pull him up and I turn him around and I said to him, are you okay, Mr. President? He said, yeah. And then I start to get down. He said, where are you going? I said, I, I was told to get down. He said, no, no, you stay right here. And he put his arm around me and uh, that's my story. That's unbelievable. I didn't, I didn't know. Is. I didn't know any of those things. What did the president say to you at one point? Do you even remember when he turned to you in the middle of the speech and he said some things to you? Do you remember? No, we couldn't hear. We couldn't hear yeah. each other. We did speak to each other, but we didn't hear each other. It was too loud. The guys were—they were yelling. I didn't remember him having that that megaphone, that the bullhorn. Really. And then he started to speak, and he's speaking to the right, and and the guys on the left, they're yelling, we can't hear you. And he's, then he turned to the left with the, with the bullhorn, and he said, I can hear you. And the, the whole world hears you. And the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. They went crazy. When they went nuts. They started chanting USA, USA, USA. And it, it, it was, uh, he said everything in those three sentences. Those days changed America. Those who were born um, shortly before or after don't remember an America uh, the way I remember it. Uh, it was a completely different place after 9-11. There's one more part of the story. We, we lost Bob Beckwith uh, this week, the voice that you just heard. So that part of history has now been lost to the ages and to digital memories. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. The good senator, dare I say great senator, from uh, the state of Ohio, J.D. Vance. Hello, J.D. Hey, senator. Glenn, how are you? I'm good. Uh, so uh, I want to talk to you about the uh, Senate border bill here in just a second. But uh, do you have any comment on this shocking, shocking news that's just breaking that Donald Trump is responsible for everything he did in uh, while he was in the White House and can go to trial? So I first heard about this like three minutes ago when I was waiting to come on your show. Right. So yeah. I, haven't, I haven't read the I haven't read the ruling. I have nothing uh, particular to say about it other than, look, I, I, I agree with Trump. That the president has pretty broad, um, pretty broad immunity from a large number of prosecutions for what he does while he's in office. You know, you can't go after the president for doing his constitutional duties in the same way that most police officers are immune, you know, from most prosecutions for doing their job. 
Uh, I haven't seen this case, but I'm not shocked that the D.C. Circuit ruled against the president. As we know, a lot of these things have become political. And I hate to say it, Glenn, I think we have to be honest with ourselves as conservatives that much of what is framed as legal in this country is now just politics. And we have to wake up to that reality and deal with it. Yeah. Um, next hour, I'm going to go through some of the stuff that's going on with uh, the legal system. And uh, conservatives are in real trouble. They're blocking uh, 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 attorneys uh, by threatening to sue them and destroy their lives and take away their license if they if they start to represent any client that disagrees with this administration. This is, I mean, I personally think when they say, you know, Donald Trump will be a dictator. Okay, well, what's the difference? Because this is what we have now. We we are so close to really a dictatorship, uh, closer than I've ever seen this country. Yeah, I agree. And we also have parents, of course, having their parental rights taken away for not consenting sure. to their kids' gender identity. Uh, th- th- my first exposure to this, by the way, Glenn, was I, I was advising this company, Parler, which was sort of an original mm-hmm. free speech alternative to Twitter. After January the 6th, Google, Apple, Amazon, just in a very coordinated way, came against this company. It was very obviously a violation of antitrust laws. Nobody, yep. no major law firm would represent that company because they would have their lives ruined. And that's when I sort of realized that what we're witnessing is complete institutional capture by the left. And I think, you know, th- this is one of the reasons why my politics are what they are. I've been trying to encourage my fellow conservatives to wake up to this new reality that we're living in, because if this is what we're dealing with, then it's not a question of, well, you, know, you come into office and you, you fight over tax rates and you fight over regulatory reform. Yeah. We have to really recapture many of these institutions. That should be the goal of conservative politics in the 21st century. And again, I would encourage my fellow conservatives to wake up to that reality. I'd like to see somebody uh, put together a conservative law firm with the best lawyers uh, in the country that are willing to stand together and fight this together. And I, I think at least my audience and I think most audiences on the right would consider coming up with a legal defense fund because, you know, anybody who serves with Trump is going to need one because they're going to go after him all the time, constantly. All right. Let me talk about the uh, border. Um, the uh, Senate border deal is not a border deal. As I look at it, a it's a war package uh, and tied to it is a really bad uh, immigration policy. It has nothing really to do with the border or, or solving that. Would you agree or disagree? Look, I, I agree with that, Glenn. Um, we have to be honest that what happened here is the, the neoconservative establishment of the Democrats really want $61 billion for Ukraine, and they have been working very hard to figure out how, how to package that to the American people. Now, what we came up with in the Republican Senate, and you know I'm, I'm the biggest Ukraine skeptic uh, probably in the United States Senate, is like, look, guys, even if you're pro-Ukraine, you've got to secure the border before you do anything on Ukraine, or our voters are going to go absolutely crazy, and rightfully so. So this fig leaf is what we came up with. And i got to be honest with you, Glenn, it, it is worse in the execution than I feared that it would be. Just a couple of provisions here that I think is very important for us to be honest about how bad they are. Okay, so the first is it takes away the right to grant asylum from immigration judges who are not perfect mm-hmm. and gives them to USCIS asylum officers who are basically the most left-wing officials within the immigration bureaucracy. So you basically are giving Mayorkas and his stooges control over who gets asylum in this country. Very big mistake. Second, very hey, Hang on mistake. just a second. Hang on just a second. Please. Isn't this akin to what Congress did uh, years ago by giving all of the power to make the decisions and make the laws inside the administration? 
So nobody gets blamed for it, and they just go their own way, and you can't hold them responsible. This is the same thing, isn't it? Just giving the administration more power and leeway to do whatever they want. That's right. With maybe the most important issue facing the country, of course, which is immigration, not just now, but you know, for all time, it's, it's who, who, who do you allow to become a citizen of your country? It's like the fundamental question of national sovereignty. And it gives it over to a guy who, by the way, Glenn, the House is impeaching maybe today. And we're talking about giving this guy massive authority. The second mm. big issue here, Glenn, is it has this sort of border emergency shutdown, which actually sounds yeah. good, right? If you were going to say, you know, as soon as you get an illegal alien coming across, you shut down the border, you radically change enforcement. But this sets the emergency authority at 5,000 illegal immigrants a day, which is close to 2 million a year. And again, Glenn, it gives Mayorkas broad discretion to waive this emergency authority. So this is not a good package. We should vote it down. I actually, good news, when we had a meeting as a Senate conference yesterday evening, and I, I think everybody pretty much agrees that we cannot proceed on this thing right now. Uh, we just need to continue to hold everyone's feet to the fire so that this package doesn't become law. And again, we have to remember, this is all about hiding from the American people the ball on Ukraine. They don't want to be called to account for a vote on Ukraine, so they're going to call it border security. That's not what it's about. We are paying, correct me if I'm wrong, the salaries of everyone in their civil service. So the entire government is now being subsidized by the United States taxpayer. Are we not paying everybody's um, uh, compensation here in America and over in Ukraine? I don't know if it's everybody in Ukraine, Glenn, to be clear, but it's a lot of them. Uh, we're certainly paying for core parts of their civil service. And we know this, that they're we're paying for their Social Security, I believe. We're paying for their pensioners. We're paying for a lot of their civil service. That's absolutely right. And we also know that there's a lot of skimming off the top. There's a lot of corruption. It's a corrupt country. Yeah. We've known that for well before this war started. But here's the issue, Glenn. We, we, we are told that this war is all about repelling Russia so that Ukraine can be an independent bulwark. What is actually happening is that we've strengthened Russia and Ukraine has become a welfare client of the United States, not just now, but in perpetuity. So we have failed at the fundamental objective. We've spent well over $100 billion to accomplish that failed objective, and there's no end in sight. It's time for the statesmen in this country to step up and say, enough is enough. This has to stop. As Donald Trump said, maybe the most important thing he said on the campaign trail is we need the killing to stop. That's what's in America's interest, and that's what I'm fighting for. The uh, uh, Senator Schumer uh, came out and said, if we don't vote for this, well, American soldiers, are American boys and girls are going to be over on the front lines fighting Russia in the next five years if we don't pass this. It's fear-mongering, Glenn, and it's not true. And by the way, if the argument goes something like this, the, Ukraine, the Russians are going to roll through Ukraine, and then they'll, they'll roll into Berlin, and that's the point at which American troops will be called to fight the Russians. Well, here's the problem with that. Germany has, I think, the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world. They spend way less than 2% of GDP, which is the NATO target on defense. If the Germans are at that much risk of the Russians, we need to say to the Germans, Get your own house in order. Stand up your own security forces. Don't rely on the Americans to bail you out. I mean, it actually calls into question, Glenn, and I'm going to get roasted for saying this, but good because it's a conversation we need to have. What is the purpose of NATO 
if the only thing it does is provide more people for us to support. NATO is supposed Mm -hmm. to be an alliance. The Germans step up. Everybody steps up. The only two countries, or at least the only two major countries uh, with big economies that do their job on defense are France and the U.K., Western and Central, sorry, Eastern and Central Europe have got to step up in a bigger way, Glenn, and we should not be asked to effectively subsidize their security apparatus. That's not an argument for an ally. That's an argument for another welfare client, and the United States has far too many of them. So um, let me switch subjects. We, we talked about the lawyers and, uh, and how they are, are being blocked if you're on the conservative side. Uh, yesterday, the House Judiciary Committee uh, on the weaponization of the government highlighted the Biden administration's efforts to, quote, address propaganda and misinformation in books that were being sold. And Jim Jordan yesterday outlined uh, an effort uh, to uh, stop Amazon from selling certain books that disagreed with the administration. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about book burning. Do you know anything about this? And when is when is someone going to stop this? Well, credit to Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary for actually using their subpoena powers it's meant to be used in investigating here. But look, when this is akin to what we saw with the, the big tech companies colluding with the government to silence the Trump campaign, to promote the Biden campaign, we, this is what I talk about, the institutional capture, Glenn. We have bureaucrats in the government working with some of these companies to engage in a mass censorship campaign in this country. And it's largely hidden, of course, because it's shadow banning on social media. It's the right. books you don't see when you type in a search on Amazon. It, that, that's what's so evil genius about it is that we don't even see it. But this mm-hmm. is how totalitarian regimes operate is that they can control what you think and what media can you consume. Then they control what you behave. And that's when you're no longer a free citizen. Look, I, I think that this, this is illegal stuff. Potentially, people should be going to prison for it. And this is the best argument, maybe, uh, that I can make for a future, you know, Attorney General Josh Hawley or someone else is you've got to go after these guys and actually force them to suffer consequences. It's the only language these people understand is power. And if you're going to use your your constitutional authority to shade into unconstitutional censorship, you've got to face consequences for it. At the very least, you ought to lose your job. You know, you are um, you're very effective as a senator, and I would hate to lose you as a senator, but, uh, but uh, Ohio is a very important state. Has there been any talk about consideration of you being a vice presidential candidate? <laughs> uh, I've seen the media stories, Glenn, and as, as I've said, of course, if, if the president asked me, I'd think about it. I, I do think it's extremely important that we reelect Donald Trump, but I like being a senator. Uh, I think that's the best way for me to serve the people of Ohio. And uh, that's 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 my honest answer is, yeah, I'd think about it, but I really like my current job. And to your point, Glenn, we actually need people at all levels of the federal government if we're going to implement an effective agenda. The president is, of course, the most important, you know, things like immigration, foreign policy, he controls almost unilaterally. Yeah. But you need good lawmakers. And that was one of the problems with the first Trump administration. Sure. Way too many Republicans fighting against the leader yeah. of their own party. Uh, if we want to work effectively, we can't have that. Are we going to see a close of the border? I mean, a meaning, meaningful securing of the border before the election? Um, 
I hate to say it, probably no, unless Republicans grow a, a lot stiffer of a spine here, Glenn. Here, here's the leverage that we have. It's two things. It's Ukraine and it's government funding. We would be we would need to be willing as a unified Republican conference, House and Senate, to say we're not funding any more of your government until you get illegal border crossings below, you know, at least a thousand per day. Right. That's a significant reduction of where it is. Uh, I don't see that that resolve within my fellow Republicans. I think that there are some of us who would do that. I certainly would. But uh, I, I would hold my breath. And I hate to say it, Glenn, but I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you for loving country more than self. I appreciate it. J.D. Vance. God bless. Thanks, Glenn. The best of the Glenn Beck program. In today's Glenn Beck Morning Newsletter, which is free at glennbeck.com, you will find these stories. I'm going to touch on these, just the headlines first, and we're going to go back to them. Jim Jordan shows Amazon files federal censorship efforts to digitally burn books. Effective effective GOP attorney generals face politicized ethics charges. Democrats trying to strip all opponents of representation in court. Biden's DOJ continues to abuse the FACE Act. Completely unjustified, Medical Journal retracts major studies critical of the abortion pill ahead of the Supreme Court clash. Montana parents face arrest after refusing to go along with daughter's sex change. Virginia Democrats trying to pass a bill to make bipartisan election oversight a hate crime. Me, uh, let me start with this. Stu, look up the definition of fascism for me, will you? People, when they hear fascist, they think uh, concentration camps. And that usually is the way they end because um, you have to have, you know, you have to get rid of the political people that disagree with you because unless you're in a free state, you can't have people who disagree with you speaking out. Okay, that that's that's the definition. That's the first definition of of freedom is being able to speak your mind. Well, you can't do that, and it starts with intimidation. It starts with suggestion, then intimidation, and then shove and shoot. So you have to have these concentration camps, but that's not that's not in the definition, if I'm not mistaken, of fascism, Stu. Yeah, here, I'll give you the dictionary definition. A political philosophy, movement, or regime that exalts a nation and often race above the individual. I mean, it's just so... Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Exalts nation and often race above the individual. Gee, who's doing that right now? Tell me who is elevating race above the individual right now. Tell me. Tell me with a straight face that is the right. It is insanity to believe that. It's insanity. Every single person on the left is constantly telling us that this skin color is the most important thing about you. It's constantly told to us that it's defining your entire life. Your skin color tells you whether you're oppressed or not or whether you're a good person or you're not. 
and we're the ones somehow. I, I mean, it's it's so amazing that this has ever happened. But, but it, it is a philosophy, a movement, or regime that exalts a nation and often race above the individual, and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictator, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. I don't okay. know which which party's about to lose their uh, candidate from being on the ballot at all. Which one is that? I, I, so a suppression of opposition. Oh my gosh! I, 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 you're never going to get to any of your points if you don't turn I off know, my microphone I, right now. No, so no, I no. I, I think this is uh, fine. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's incredible, and it doesn't include the the biggest part of the actual mechanics of fascism which is public-private partnerships. Businesses are allowed to be businesses, unlike in, in uh, communism. They're allowed to be private businesses, unless you disagree with the state. Then they'll intimidate you and eventually just take you out. Somebody else will get your business, and uh, you're gone. Public-private partnership. Okay. Now... I just, I, I, I want to drill into your head. Whatever they say that we're doing, they're doing. Okay, good example. They just, they call us fascists. Could you read that one more time, Stu? Sure. Uh, a political philosophy, movement, or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual. That stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictator. Severe economic and social regimentation and forcible suppression of opposition. Okay. You can see why they have to stand on nationalism. Okay. When we say we're proud to be uh, Americans and we hold America high in our esteem, it's not at the expense of the individual. In fact, it's because of the defense of the individual we are nationalistic. Okay, the, everything that the Constitution says, everything that at least that I believe, and I think the vast majority of people that are that claim to be conservative, and they truly are conservative, it's because of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, which is all about the individual. They're about collective salvation. So if you're not a collectivist society or you're not pushing for collectivism, you can't be a communist or a fascist. Can't. So everything they say we're up to, they're doing. And I mean, just, you know, they said Donald Trump was just killing us overseas and none of our allies had any respect for us. Well, I think I can check that one. They say that we're nothing but religious zealots that would force our religion on children in schools. Who's doing that? We're asking for school choice so the individual can choose if they want that or not. They're, they've come up with this new woke crap and LGBTQ, which is a religion. Uh, religion requires excommunication if you don't go along with the high priests. They demand that you stick to the dogma. There is no questioning of it. Which one has the religion that they're, they're putting in schools? They say that we're going to have a dictator. 
Well, public-private partnerships, silencing opposition, environmental and social regulations, medical tyranny. We've got that. The right is just in bed with big business. Really? Name the corporation that stands by the right and, and waves that flag. Name the corporation. It sure, certainly isn't Coors. In bed with big business. That we don't really care about the lives of the poor and the immigrant. And yet, with what they're doing, the immigrant is being used and built by the drug cartels. The women are being raped every day, sold into slavery. We don't care. Don't care about the poor. Really? Is your definition of caring for the poor what's happening in L.A.? What's happening in San Francisco? Because I think you don't care for the poor. We're going to make, you know, they just want to, they're going to throw you back in chains to the African-American. Who's doing that? They just want to overthrow the government. You know, those people on the right, they have no respect for the Constitution. They want to overthrow our system of government. You can't even name our system of government. You keep calling it a democracy. It's a republic. Well, they just want chaos in the streets. We do. You were the one with Chad. What was it? Chaz in Seattle. You're the one that we're trying to get rid of all the police and reimagine how we're going to take care of people on the streets. We're the ones that want chaos on the streets. They don't care about national security. You have 10 million people coming across the board. We all know they're terrorists. Yeah, but they don't really care. I mean, you know, they they're terrorists themselves, you know. Well, really? Uh, well, uh, I guess if that's true, which it absolutely isn't, at least we're not farming it off to Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran. You support terrorists. You support the terrorists on the streets here in America. They're just going to take away your choice. My body, my choice. Really? Unless, unless it's anything other than an abortion. You know, they just want to make sure that White people get the jobs. Well, you've lowered the standard at the FCC. I'm sorry, the FAA. Lowered the standard at the FAA to the point to where if you're handicapped, black, trans, whatever the flavor of the month is, they don't have to have the same test scores even. They don't even have to test and have the same amount of competence to be an air traffic controller if they're not white. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Which which one is hiring just solely on race? race? Now, here's the, here's the last one. We're Nazis. In Florida, they've been banning books. Really? Really? We know that's not true. We know that came from the left. But again, if we know that the left accuses us of things that they are doing, let me give you this. Jim Jordan yesterday revealed internal documents secured via the sub sub uh, um, sorry sub the subpoena of Amazon highlighting the Biden administration's efforts to address propaganda and misinformation in books for the on uh, online reader uh, retailer. Okay, wait a minute. They say that I'm responsible for misinformation and propaganda. I will correct anything that I get wrong. 
You show me where I'm wrong, I will correct it. It's not a matter of opinion. It has to be a matter of fact. Show me where I'm wrong. They don't. They can't. I, I am not for the uh, banning of any voices. I want to make sure everybody, those who disagree with me, they should have a space in society and should be heard. None of this digital ghetto stuff. They say we're burning books or we're banning books, and yet now we have the documents, the effort, reminiscent of the Twitter file. uh, It starts with an email in 2021 from a White House official seeking the opportunity to discuss the high levels of propaganda and misinformation and disinformation of Amazon. Now, why were they so upset with Amazon? Well, Because Amazon believed retailers are different than social media communities and provided their customers with access to a variety of viewpoints. For the Biden administration, letting Americans actually read the other side is unacceptable. This is a country that despises Nazism. And yet you can buy Mein Kampf. You can't in Germany. Here you can. You can buy Mein Kampf. You can read Mein Kampf out in the open. It doesn't make you a Nazi. It makes you somebody that wants to understand what happened back then. What was this guy even saying? Without being able to read the insane ramblings, you have no idea what he really was talking about. You have no idea. You can be duped into anything. You'll be duped that, the that, uh, that you know what? The Germans really didn't know. Yes, they did. It's in Mein Kampf. But here, we can't argue about science anymore. You can't have those books for sale online at Amazon. So after the meeting, one staffer asked, is the Biden administration asking us to remove books or just concerned about the search results in order or both? Amazon, after the meeting, Move not to promote books questioning the vaccine. So you're not going to find it. Wow. Who's censoring? Who's burning books? Who's silencing people? And the left will just say, well, that's because it was about the vaccine. Oh, okay. So if you're right, then you're okay with censoring. Because I'm not. I'm not cool with that. I, I, I really would love to hear the other side and, and how, you know, uh, the Great Reset and, and, um, and all of the things that are coming out from Klaus Schwab, ESG, everything else, how that's not true. I'd like to read those things. I have read those things. Why are you so afraid of someone else?